Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 388, that's insane, of the uh, World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again this week. Uh, i got to come up with a good nickname for this guy. Nate Dotson, how are you, Nate? <laughs> I'm great, I, uh Glad to be here tonight, as opposed to any of the last few nights. But uh, I think you've had a few good nicknames for me over the years, for being honest. Yeah, I'm not sure I can say too many of those uh, here. This is a family <laughs> podcast. Um, we need to come up with a good one for you. I, uh, but let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds. That's what we're here for. Yeah, you're right. This is a, this is a good night. We were kind of commiserating earlier in the week, and I thinking, oh my goodness, you know, uh, <laughs> good vibes only. But the Reds, yeah, had a rough stretch there. So keep get you updated on where uh, the Reds are. They uh, after since last week's podcast, they went on to sweep the uh, hapless Pittsburgh Pirates and just destroyed the Pirates in a four game series that got the Reds to ten games over five hundred for the first time since I don't know nineteen seventy six probably I don't know. Um, before we go into what happened since then, where how are you feeling? The Reds, you know, sixty one and fifty one. They were five games back in the in the uh, division. After that last uh, win on Sunday against the Pirates, and man, uh, that was as good a feeling I think as we've had all year. Am I overstating it? No, no, you're you're spot on. I don't think I've been that excited about the trajectory of a Reds team in quite some time. Um, obviously, we can get to what happened over the last several days, but that was a lot of fun. The the guys were playing hard. They were they were having they were having fun. It was obvious. And man, don't I miss the Pirates? <laughs> can we play them every game? <laughs> You said something, and I want to uh, unpack that just a little bit before we move on to what happened uh, after that, which is that the guys looked like they were having fun. The players looked like they were having fun. And sometimes I think that fans want to, uh, you know, like I, I got a, a, a bunch of texts. Then first game of the Atlanta series, I think it was, or maybe it was the Cleveland, the, the one-game Cleveland matchup for the Ohio Cup. Uh, just, oh, they don't, they look listless. They don't look like they care out there. And I often think that is the most overblown thing ever. These guys are trying to win. They don't care. Um, and so, I, yeah, and I don't know how we'd measure it anyway. But, you know, in that four game Pirate series, you know, especially they won 10 to nothing in game two, 11 to three in game three of the series. And they just look like they're having a blast together playing baseball there. And I don't know why it should make that more fun for us. You know, because we're not out there playing and enjoying it with them. They're, you know, human beings who are having fun uh, with their friends uh, playing baseball. But for some reason, that just, it, it makes it 10 times more fun uh, from my perspective. Uh, are you are you picking up what I'm putting down? Does that make any sense? No, I'm totally with you. We root for the team, but we also root for these players individually, you know, during this, this long slog of a season. And when they're out there, and obviously when, when the enjoyment they're getting out of these wins is palpable, it resonates. It resonates throughout the fan base. And the only person that doesn't resonate with is probably Bob Castellini. <sighs> but, no, I think that uh, anybody saying that they look listless, like, it's a long season. These guys are going to get tired. They're going to have, you know, nobody can be completely on all the time. But this has been one of the more fun teams to root for. And on that little stretch there when they were just, you know, they swept the four-game series, I don't know that I've had more fun watching a team since some of those, you know, the successful Brandon Phillips team with all that energy that they used to have. It's been uh, a while. Oh, dropping the Brandon Phillips on us. Not exactly a fan of uh, of the podcast, Brandon Phillips, but uh, <laughs> but but you're right. I mean, that's so what we're talking about. Um, Brandon Phillips was who Brandon Phillips was, but you know that big smile and always having fun out on the field, and that's the that's the type of thing we're seeing. 
Uh, we've kind of said it off and on all year about this team, which is that a win or lose, they are as much fun to root for as you know any team in 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 recent memory. Certainly since those teams, you know, the 2010, 2012 teams, but maybe even going back to like 1999 or 1995. For me, 95, that team was just so much fun to root for. Um, and now I'm going to get 15 tweets about Reggie Sanders striking out in the National League Championship Series. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. He's a Reds Hall of Famer. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, I, I can kind of take the losing, or if they don't make the playoffs this year, I can kind of take that. I don't want that to happen. But um, as long as you give me a product that's uh, fun to watch, some guys that are easy to root for. And most of these guys are easy to root for. And it's no thanks to, to Castellini or even to Nick Crawl. Frankly, this is the team that Dick Williams left them with. And, and you know, to Castellini paid for them before this season to get these, these guys. But um, we're not going to get into Castellini today because I uh, just don't want to. But, but man, it's just, it's, it's, you can name 10, 15 guys and you're just like, oh man, these, I, I like that guy. I like watching him play. He looks like he's having fun. And there's, there's something to that he, because this is an entertainment product ultimately, even if you're not the, necessarily going to make the playoffs. And we'll talk about the chances, but maybe it's just because I've been beaten down by all the years of bad teams, but that's something tangible to me that I appreciate and that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not nothing, as they say. Well, you just said it. We haven't had a ton to root for over the last several decades gosh you went there a team above 500 that's playing hard and is very exciting and fun to watch hey at the end at the end of the season if even if they don't make the playoffs you can you can be happy with that yeah but we're not going to suggest they're not going to make the playoffs they are going to make the playoffs right absolutely i think it's already written in stone you heard it here hopefully first (laughs) that's right write it down um so the pirates are bad that's that's what we learned and we get to play them a bunch more the rest of the season, including, I think, nine of Cincinnati's final 18 games. Nine of Cincinnati's, f- yeah, nine of Cincinnati's final 18 games are against the P- Pirates. And so, you know, if the Reds are still uh, in the in the race at that point, that's going to be a chance to get good in a hurry. Um, so, of course, they swept the series. They went five in a row, including the last game of the Minnesota series, and then uh, proceeded to play a, an afternoon game against Cleveland at Cleveland with the Ohio Cup on the line. And in front of ten thousand seven hundred eight devoted fans at uh, at Cleveland, uh, the Reds just they did look bad. Nine to three loss, and then you know uh, lose three to two to Atlanta in the first game of the series down there. And uh, you know Heath Henry comes on and gets the loss, uh, but really, uh, you know that was uh, Amir Garrett's night as well. And then the next night they lose in a walk off to Atlanta, eight to six after crawling back from a 5-0 deficit on the strength of two Joey Votto home runs. And the bullpen uh, lets that one get away as well. So so looking kind of three losses in a row, but then come back today and uh, 12-3 win over Cincinnati and the Reds hit. Let me just check the stats. The Reds hit 14 home runs today, I think. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not that many. But uh, let's see here. Home runs from a grand slam from Jesse Winker. Uh, Tyler Naquin home run. Uh, three-run homer, Jonathan India, uh, solo homer, Kyle Farmers only, a uh, two-run homer, and Tyler Stevenson, uh, his seventh home run. So um, big win as they you know in the last game of the series to at least get us get, get them back going again. The Reds currently sit at sixty-two and fifty-four, eight games over five hundred, and uh, we're feeling a little better today, I guess. We definitely are. I think it's you know it's important to note that. 
this Braves team is also in a playoff chase. They are nipping at our heels. And as tough as it was to lose those first two games, very winnable games, um, though yesterday's it didn't hurt as bad as it, as it otherwise might just because there's an argument that we never should have had a chance to win that game. But the, the godlike Joseph Daniel Votto decided to put us on his back. Um, but they were right in there. They had a chance to win all three games in this series against a team that's also trying its best to win for this playoff push. So I'm not so discouraged. That Cleveland game was tough. You know, after I think they had a day off before that, maybe, and they, uh, yeah, after that big four game sweep, sometimes you're going to have those games, those kind of let down games. But winning, winning one more of those to kind of split those last four would have been great. But I'm not so discouraged. I mean, it's a good Braves team. It's on the road, and we just demolished them today. So let's let the optimism ride for a minute. There you go. I'm with you. Yeah, you know, uh, you're going to lose two or three to a, a good team on the road sometimes. That's baseball. Uh, and the Braves, they don't have Acuna. I know uh, he's injured, but they're a good team. I mean, it's just that's the fact of the matter. So the standings as we record here on uh, Thursday, uh, your Reds are here's, – here's the problem. <laughs> the Brewers just keep winning. So the Reds are eight games out. They're in second place, but eight games out in the National League Central. And the math on that uh, division race is really starting to look dicey. But on the on the wild card race, uh, the Padres are kind of floundering right now. The Reds are four games out and uh, still very much in, in the wild card race. But you're right, the, the Mets and the Braves uh, and even the Cardinals are kind of uh, nipping on Cincinnati's heels. Whoa, that, whoa, 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 whoa. I know. I should, I'm and sorry. that's not true. I apologize. Yeah. Um, whiny little... Anyway, um, so I'm not ready to give up on the on the division, certainly, but the Brewers, who are now 70 and 46, and just keep we just, the Reds can't get any ground, no matter how well they play. Um, it's not wild card or bust, but it's starting to look increasingly likely that if the Reds are going to get into the playoffs. It's going to have to be through that wild card game. Don't you think? I think so. And for me, I mean, yeah, division championships are great, but when was the last time we were? recounting all of the Cincinnati Reds division championships. Getting to the playoffs is what matters. Um, you look at their records versus the Brewers record over the last you know, few months, we're right there neck and neck. And turns out this Brewers team might just be pretty darn good. <laughs> As it turns out, yeah. Like, I, I've been resisting resistant to say that for a while just because you know, I look at their team and I don't see it, but proof's in the pudding. But no shame in going for that wild card. Once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. So you just got to take care of what's in front of you, and the results will land where they do. Yeah, two things there. I, I, I agree. I think that at some point we're going to have to reassess this Brewers team. They're just, you know, they're, their offense does not look great and they're not performing that well. Their pitching has been uh, just outstanding. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think the point is the Reds have to take care of their own business. And what happens, happens. You know, uh, just keep keep trying to win. Uh, you know, win uh, four out of every six if you can, four out of every whatever, and uh, keep doing that the rest of the way. And uh, you know, I think if they can keep winning um, at a decent uh, clip like they've been doing since the All Star break, then they're going to be in that wild card mix. And I would rather have the division championship. There's no question about it. And, and not because, like you said, sure. not, not because we're celebrating it we really well though i, I kind of celebrate that 2010 one just because it was kind of unexpected but yeah you're right we aren't really we're not really raising banners and all that uh wearing t-shirts um although i did i did have a t-shirt of the 2010 central division champions i found when i was clearing out junk a few weeks ago i have to admit i have one of those too i should <laughs> so we did celebrate 
But the, the, the point is, though, that I only want that because it will give us a little bit of security. We'll at least get to play a series in, in the playoffs. For the wild card, you know, we've had that uh, 2013 was the last time, and, you know, the Reds went to Pittsburgh and it just uh, you know vomited all over themselves in that game. And so you don't really feel like you're in the playoffs. Even last year, it was the two out of three, uh, and the Reds were barely there. So I want to see them get into an actual series. And I think this Reds team could be set up to uh, to be decent in a in a short series like that because you don't have to your your bullpen doesn't have to be as deep I guess and the Reds have some uh, starting pitching and they've got the offense so um, but you got to get in the you got to get be in the in the tournament right you have to get in the tournament to have any kind of a chance and so we've seen wild card teams win before just get just get in there however however you do it um how do you that's that's a question that you and I have not really talked about. How do you see this team in a short series? Let's say they make it into the playoffs. Uh, you know, do you see this team as being a threat if they can just get in? Because uh, I do. I think absolutely. The offense is there. There's no question. These boys are hitting the cover off the ball. Um, one of the things that is encouraging me the most right now is Vladimir Gutierrez. This guy is, you know, we may not have even considered throwing him out there as a starter in a playoff series two months ago, but over his last five or six starts, so I think he's got a sub two ERA um, with him, with obviously Luis Castillo, who's, who's just been so amazing for us the last several months. Like you said, we don't need to tap into those, those lesser parts of our roster. <laughs> Trying to be nice. Um, I think that uh, in a short series, mano a mano, the Reds have as good of a chance as just about anybody. Well, you, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction because you, you just triggered something in my head there, which I think uh, is, is interesting. Yeah, first of all, Vladimir Gutierrez, he's 8-3 now, ERA below 4, he pitched uh, six innings, one run uh, today against the Braves. And really, I mean, he may not be more than a, f- a fifth starter, maybe a fourth starter, but uh, but he's a guy that you uh, you can he, – he'll be among the best fourth, fifth starters around, I think, if he can pitch like this. I mean, I'm really impressed with that guy and with, with what he's able to do on the mound. But think about the Reds. Uh, and I'm going to have to give credit to uh, my buddy Joel Luckup for this uh, little uh, statistical tidbit. Most losses in all of Major League Baseball, most losses when leading in the eighth inning or later. The Marlins have lost 11 games when leading in the eighth inning or later, and the Reds 10. So, uh, first of all, think where the Reds would be if they had gone 5-5 five and five in those games where they were leading in the eighth inning or later. Just won half the ones that they that they blew. Um where are the Reds right now? You know, we're what 60, 67 and forty nine, and we're three games out in the division, or two and a half games out in the division. So, uh, ugh, that makes me that makes me hurt because it's all because our boy Castellini just completely um, punted on uh, assembling a bullpen. But what about in the, in the playoffs in a short season? We can move Vladimir Gutierrez into the bullpen. You know, we can move. Uh, I mean. Who, I don't, maybe even uh, I don't know. Gosh, who who, who else are you going to move into the bullpen? You could be, because you're going to. I mean, Wade Miley and Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley and Sonny Gray. One of those guys maybe pitching out of the pen. If you just go with three starters in a short, in a really short series, I don't know. There's some guys that can shore up that bullpen, and uh, and you're right. And 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 we've got what we didn't have last year. Clearly, for some reason, I don't know. Maybe it was just I don't know some kind of 2020 voodoo, but. Um, the offense. So I think if we can get in that tournament, I feel pretty comfortable. You, you know, you got to get hot at the right time, but I don't know. I, I want to see what this team can do, I guess. 
Yeah, I think with as exciting as they've been, they've certainly been the team of the moment. They're not scared when it comes to these high-pressure situations, or so it seems. You know, some people will say that uh, you know, any kind of clutch statistic is you know, just a fluke and that you can't quantify it. But this team seems to really get energized by the moment. So being in the playoffs, being in front of those crowds, I think that they would be able to uh, just rise to even greater heights. And maybe that's just me being optimistic, but give me a, give me 35, 40,000 screaming fans and Nick Castellanos up with runners in scoring position. I'll take that any day of the week. Absolutely. Yeah, this, I'm going to have to battle you on this, uh, your desire to constantly be optimistic. Uh, uh, but the fact of the matter is, there are reasons to be optimistic about this team. There really are. And, and uh, yeah, I want I want to be there. Uh, you remember, I th- you and I were there in 2010, right on the the first game they played at home in the playoffs that year mm-hmm. against the Phillies. You remember that? The only game they played at home. <laughs> I'm not mistaken. <laughs> what happened to the optimism, man? I'm trying to rewrite some history here, but but uh, it was the only game. But after not being in the playoffs for for uh, what uh, 15 years, do you remember just what that stadium felt like that night? It was insane, oh wasn't goodness. it? I remember riding home after the game and us having multiple conversations just about how that was the most fun I had ever had at a live sporting event in my life. And it was a loss. <laughs> but it was a close loss. Homer Bailey pitched awesome. And the Reds were in it till the end, even though they I don't even think they scored a run, but they had a chance. Um, the atmosphere was electric. Cincinnati is truly a baseball town, so give them, give them the chance they're going to have the place rocking. Yeah. And I think this team would respond to that. You know, that's that is the to me the the saddest thing or the the heart, most heartbreaking thing about the way Bob Kessinley has treated his team is it, that night and uh, just what it felt like in there that night and a fan base. You know, I've been to a bunch of opening day games. They're always fun. And it's always a big crowd, but it's a far different crowd than you saw that night, the first playoff game in 15 years. Fans who are hungry to celebrate this team. Uh, you know, this team that is, uh, yeah, for many of them, it's a multi-generational thing, being a Reds fan. And and Castellan is just squandering all that potential goodwill so he can afford another uh, vacation home, I guess. I don't know. It just, I don't know that you and I have talked about that game very often in the years since, but I just... As you were talking about Castellanos coming up, I thought about that night and how people were waving those flags around, or those uh, you know little whatever they they handed out, you know the the towels, the little towels, and just seeing the the, the, the towels being waved all over the stadium and just that energy. It's just a shame that we've not been able to experience that since. And uh, well, we did a little bit in 2012, but um, I don't know. Uh, gosh, that's what this is about. Kind of right. I mean, it, or is that why we're still following the scene? We're we're chasing that moment again. I think that's, that's the only reason to still be a fan after <laughs> uh, after this lifetime. But you you can't understate how special it is to be in Cincinnati for a home playoff game. I mean, I felt like I had made yeah. How many how many seats are in a section? I feel like I had made. 500 new friends by the time that game was over. Yeah. Because I, I remember that you, our tickets were separated. So I actually sat away from anybody that I knew. But by the end of that game, I was best friends with another several dozen people. And it's one of those things you'll never forget. 
and I got, I've got to believe that uh, that experience in Cincinnati is better than obviously not all baseball towns, but most of them. Yeah, like it's just more special to Cincinnati fans than it is to you know, Yankee fans who experience it every other week or uh, every other year. Cardinals fans who hashtag best fans in baseball go kick rocks. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a, that's another great point, Nate, you know, which is that I think I mentioned it either last week or week before whatever that I was talking to uh, Zach Buchanan, who used to be the Reds beat writer now he's with the Diamondbacks and he's just like, they don't, they don't care like Reds fans do because you have that multi-generational thing. And so, uh, you know, um, they get, so they get angry at people on Twitter when the Reds don't play well. Uh, but the flip side of that is when they are playing well, it's just, it kind of means more and whether it should mean more cause it's just baseball. I don't know. We can talk about that, but it's just, uh, it's such a, it's such a shame that the team hasn't really gone all in to give that to the community that deserves this team. That is, you know, you and I have been there through thick and thin, mostly thin. And just, it's a, you know, I wish that the ownership considered it more of a public trust rather than an investment. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they do. Them. All right. I'll, I'll, let's, let's talk about Joey Votto. Do you mind? Do, do you mind talking about Joey Votto? You know him, right? Does he? Does he? Does he play for the, the Reds? Canadian dude. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Blame Canada for giving us Joey Votto. So Joey Votto, you know, he in the sixth inning of that loss, the extra inning loss that the Reds had to the Braves uh, Wednesday night of this week. Votto hit a, a 442-foot home run, two-run homer in the sixth inning. So it was a 5 nothing uh, shutout at that time, and so that made it 5-2. And then uh, in the ninth inning, he hits another two-run shot. And just, I don't know, I, I saw him up there. It was, first, it was first pitch, and I was like, you know, I didn't think he was going to hit a home run, but when he took that swing and it went, I was like, of course. Of course, Joey Votto. Um, that two-home run night gave Votto 14 home runs, in his last 20 games, only one other Cincinnati hitter has ever achieved that feat. 14 home runs in 20 games. Do you know who the other Cincinnati hitter to achieve that feat was? Um, that's going to have to be Mr. Mr. Frank Robinson. Oh, I'm sorry. We have some. No, we have some uh, parting uh, gifts for you. It was actually Willie Tavares. Ooh. Hall of Famer Frank Robinson. <laughs> 1962. Really yeah, sorry, I had to pull that one out. I had forgotten that name, and I'm kind of mad at you from there. <laughs> yeah, I know. What about Frank Robinson? You forget about him? No, he was he was pretty good at baseball. So I hear he was pretty good at baseball. Uh, yeah, so Votto, you know, continues uh, to do what he's doing. I want to talk briefly about Frank Robinson again in a minute, but um, and I have a reason for that. But Joey Votto is just not slowing down whatsoever, you know. And uh, last. Uh, Let's see, last seven days, 407 average, 452 on base. Um, he's just, he's continuing to just amaze and astound. And, and I looked at, uh, I looked at fan graphs to see weighted runs created plus, which is a, a, baseball needs fewer stats, not more. But these, you know, um, and, and these analytics have kind of ruined the game in some ways. But I, I'm a sucker for this stuff. Right now, Joey Votto is one of three Reds in the top eight of the National League. In weighted runs created plus, which is basically a measure to, uh, you know, take into account everything. Fernando Tatis Jr. is number one in weighted runs created plus. 
Ronald Acuna Jr. is number number two. So uh, there are three reds in that top eight, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna test you here, Nate. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't tell you we we're gonna have a pop quiz. In what order are those three reds that are in the top eight in terms of weighted runs created plus, which is a uh, a, a made up stat to show how good a hitter is? And it's just this season, right? Just this season. You, I'm sure, I'm sure you can guess who the three reds are. What order do you, do you put them in? Um, because you're asking me, I'm going to have to say Joseph Daniel first, Jesse Winker second, Castellano third. Okay, well, I would have, if I had guessed before looking it up, I would have probably said Castellanos, Winker, Votto. Now, you, yeah, you, you tried to, I uh, think I was playing games with you. And actually, well, we are talking about Joey Votto, so I kind of cheated there. I'll admit. We are. Uh, but it is, Joey Votto's not actually first. Jesse Winker is. Jesse Winker is number five in the National League. Um, and uh, Joey Votto is barely behind. But jo- Jesse Winker's tied with Juan Soto. And just one uh, point behind them is, is is Joey Votto. And then Nick Castellanos is uh, is right behind Joey Votto. Uh, Castellanos had all the MB- MVP buzz. So I kind of assumed it was going to be him. And he's been amazing. You know, Look at his stats. He's been incredible. Um, but the fact that Joey Votto, age 37... He has enough at bats to qualify for all the, uh, you know, the uh, league leaders now. Is up there with Fernando Tatis, Ronald Acuna Jr., Jr., Bryce Harper, Jesse Winker, Juan Soto, Joey Votto. <laughs> the best hitters in the game. I mean, literally. How was a 37-year-old able to do this? I mean, look at his, I mean, the leaderboards, the record books. He's been climbing up. He's past Pete Rose for third all-time in Reds RBIs. In the last few days, he's three hits now, shy of 2,000 hits. I think he passed or tied or passed Ty Cobb for all-time walks. Like, yeah, these are real Hall of Fame-worthy stats. Yeah, and I, and I mentioned Frank Robinson there, and because th- these are the people that Votto now have, uh, he's kind of joined them in that conversation. Now, uh, I tweeted earlier uh, this week. And, and first of all, my advice to everyone is never tweet. <laughs> and that's pretty good advice. But I tweeted that this is the season. You know, for a while, we all knew he was a Hall of Famer here in Cincinnati. And I firmly believed he was going to get in eventually. But this might be the season where baseball stands up and takes notice and he becomes a first ballot Hall of Famer. Just because he's doing things at age 37 that, that Barry Bonds did. You know, he's doing something at age 37 that Frank Robinson did at age, you know, twenty seven or something um in, in terms of the home runs this may be the 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 narrative that will that will kind of coalesce around Votto going forward that'll end up in, in him being a first ballot hall of famer am i am i just am i overstating that or am i is it because i'm in love with Votto so much i mean i'm sure it's slightly influenced by your love affair for joey, joey Votto, but you can't be blamed for that um i've been noticing a lot of news outlets outside of cincinnati really start talking about Joey Votto and his Hall of Fame candidacy. And I feel like, like you said, it was it was mostly centralized to the fans, the Reds fans that knew about him. So it's catching on. It's getting mainstream buzz. And he had a tidbit in his post game recently where he talked about how, you know, I've always had this power. I just didn't know that I needed to employ it or something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. Right. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, if he would have just – you know, seeing that this movement in baseball was happening, you know, three true outcomes. What could he have done? Would he have started sooner? Would he have been hitting 40 home runs a season 
for the you know better part of the last decade because he's he's so talented at the art of hitting that it seems like he can kind of just do what he wants. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've wondered, and many people have asked this question. I've wondered, what if just two years before, two years earlier? Because he struggled through a couple of, of seasons there. 2019, 2000, uh, most of 2020 weren't great. What if just at the end of 2018 he said, you know what, um, I can't do the things that I used to do. And I don't think he needed to do it before then because in mean, 2017 he should have won the MVP. Um, he, he was still able to do the things he'd always been able to do at the top of his game, and he was an inner circle uh, top hitter. Um, but what if two years before he just decided, you know what, I'm losing, and it's got to be tough for a guy to say, oh, I'm kind of losing what I can do. Gosh, if he had, though, you're right. I mean, he's he, he's a unanimous Hall of Famer, maybe. But we had a good question, uh, and I'll go ahead and uh, preview it here. Uh, go ahead, we'll ask it now from our viewer mail segment. Viewer mail uh, comes from our friends at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. This comes from our friend Mike Perry, and and Mike Perry says, if Votto tried to hit home runs like this his entire career, would he be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Uh, well, I think he's I think he's on this path on the path now to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I saw I saw a tweet where some I can't remember who it was said if he'd hit home runs this whole career on the same pace that he'd hit him like in the like this year maybe or the, or the last couple months then he would then his two home runs against the Braves would have been his six hundred sixty third or something you know and Willie Mays had six sixty you know so um, if you had to guess is he a four, first ballot Hall of Famer now I think for sure he is I like it but my problem with Sir Perry's question is that. As fun as it is to, you know, hypothesize over these kind of scenarios, what made me love Joey Votto so much isn't the home runs at 37. It's his approach to hitting for his entire career before that. He was a master. He was, in my opinion, yeah, he was, he was, you know, a poor man's Ted Williams. Not even a poor man, like a, like a, yeah, upper, upper middle classes man. <laughs> right. Ted Williams. <laughs> And he was—he had, had the best command of the strike zone of anybody that I've ever seen since, I don't know, Tony Gwynn. And that's what made me fall in love with this guy and made me fall in love with on-base percentage and OPS and these stats that I didn't care about before. Now, I still, look I rebel against stats that involve plus signs and anything other than letters. But that's what made me fall in love with the guy. So I don't want to sit here and sort of discount how amazing he was because I think he was a Hall of Famer, you know, Three or four seasons ago, but first ballot, yeah, I think I think it's official now. Now you're talking. Yeah, you know, um, it's kind of interesting because he would have been a first ballot if he'd have done that his whole career, and he probably would have had a ton of home runs, five hundred, six. I mean, I really truly believe that he could have done it if he wanted to, but I wouldn't trade it because even before he was doing this, what? Let me put it this way: if if Joey Votto had tried to hit home runs, quote unquote, like he's doing now early in his career, it's almost certain to me that he would not have been as productive a hitter and right. at, and as valuable to the Reds, basically. Um, and yet he probably would have been more famous. <laughs> he probably would have already been a first ballot Hall of Famer because baseball slow to coming around to how valuable somebody can actually get on base. And the things that Votto could do at his best. And, uh, and, and I'm sitting here wishing that he did it two years ago. But how much self-reflection does it take for someone who is one of the best people in the world at what he does, hitting, to have enough, you know, enough of an ability to look at himself and say, I can't do this anymore. I've got to change if I want to continue to be good when I've been great for my whole life at what I do. It just, 
we've never seen anything like Joey Votto, and I don't think I don't think we'll ever see something like Joey Votto ever again uh, in Cincinnati. And, and uh, another another question for you here. This is from me. This is my viewer mail question that I wrote in this week for you, just for you, Nate. When he retires, is Joey Votto the best hitter? Just hitter, not looking at all around game. Is he the best hitter in Reds history? Ooh, throwing that out at me out of the blue. Um, the best hitter in Reds history. You don't that, have to answer if you don't want. I didn't prepare you for it, but it's a possibility, though, right? If I slightly change the words of the question, say, is he the best at the art of hitting? Mm. Then I'm going to say yes. I would need to do a little bit of a deeper dive to look at uh, yeah, Joe Morgan's Johnny Bates' numbers first, but, I mean, he's in the conversation. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and Frank Robinson as well, and that's what I wanted to come back around to. Uh, my uh, Over the weekend, um, or I guess it wasn't over the weekend, it was on uh, August 8th, 8-8, which was Joe Morgan's uniform number. They celebrated Joe Morgan. And um, I guess it was over the weekend against the, against the, against the Pirates. And my piece at Cincinnati Magazine this week was just that he's the best player in Reds history, period, full stop. And so as I was trying to make the argument that Joe Morgan was the best player, uh, I, I had to kind of look look at uh, the other guys who were in that conversation. And some of the guys that are in that conversation are Frank Robinson, uh, Johnny Bench, and uh, and Joey Votto. You know, um, those are the guys that when I looked at the numbers that I trust uh, the most – were there at ultimately. And I got a kick out of Otto talking about his interactions with Frank Robinson and with, uh, Joe Morgan this week as well. And, um, I feel like Joe Morgan is just, it's hard to say that he's underrated at this point, but I think he's underrated by most Reds fans. I bet if you, if you took a poll and said, who's, who was better, Joe Morgan or Pete Rose, you're going to get 70, 30, 80, 20, maybe. Say Pete Rose, and it wasn't even close. Joe Morgan was so great. Um, at the All Star game, they had the the four best players, four best living players, and Johnny Bench was the Reds' representative. And, well, one of the four players, and I'm like Johnny Bench. Yeah, deserves to be there, I guess. But what about Joe Morgan? He was better than Johnny Bench, probably. So anyway, yeah. um, most of my life, I probably would have said Johnny Bench was the best. Uh, I was younger. He was. He was. You know the player that I wanted to be. I wanted to be. A, I wanted to be a catcher. I wanted to hit like Johnny Bench. But as I got older and I started learning more about, you know, what it takes to not just be a great hitter, but be a great, it's funny to say because Johnny Bench was also an incredible defensive catcher. But right. um, it wasn't until I got older that I really learned to appreciate what Joe Morgan brought to the table. And I, you know, I feel bad for not knowing more about Frank Robinson. I can only you know go with what I've read. I don't have any real video, and it's long before my time. But the Reds have been fortunate to have had some pretty incredible talent throughout uh, throughout their history, and I think to bring it back full circle, Joey Votto is part of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, and and Votto. I hope ultimately will get kind of the. I think Bench gets a little bit of, of extra credit because he was, he was with the Reds his entire career, whereas Joe Morgan uh, was not. So uh, if Joey Votto gets that little bit, little bit of boost, hopefully in retrospect, most most of the fans who have not really appreciated him over the years will come to understand how great he was. All right, we've spent way too much time uh, talking about uh, I don't know, some fun stuff. Let's quickly run through the news of the week, and then we'll uh, we'll get into some viewer mail questions. News of the week. First of all, um, the Reds uh, some several transactions this week. First of all, Mike Mustakas 
was activated from the injured list. And uh, Mike Freeman goes back down to AAA. So Mike Moustakas, glad to have him back in his first game back. He started at third base, and Eugenio Suarez sat. Now, that's not been the case every every game since, but uh, I was interested to see in his very first game back that Suarez did go to the bench. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, we, we definitely shouldn't be. There's, uh, there's a lot more arguments to be made for sending our dearly beloved Eugenio Suarez oh, to the bench. Gosh. Oh, bless his yeah, heart. Starting him. Um, you can't. You can't argue. You can't complain about giving him a break. You always. You hope that something like that can kickstart a guy. And we're happy to see Moose back. That's for sure. He he definitely justified it in his first game. Hasn't really kicked it into that at that same gear ever since. Yeah, he's not looked great, has he? Yeah, I think a three for four for his first game back, a one for nine since then going yeah. into today. But uh, hey, you know, depth is great. We're glad to have him back. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to be interested. That's something for us to watch. We don't have enough data yet. Interested to see what David Bell does there with that situation. Uh, was was I hate to say happy? Happy's not the right word, but I, I was uh, I don't know pleasantly surprised that he sent uh, Suarez to miss that first game because I mean that's really what needed to happen. We'll see uh, going forward. Also back now, uh, Lucas Sims has been activated. The right-handed reliever Lucas Sims. He was activated. The Reds placed uh, to make room for him on the roster. The Reds placed Brad Brock on the injured list with an inflamed ERA. <laughs> I don't know why that joke still amuses me, um, but it does. Never, never gets old. Never gets old. Um, Lucas Sims, glad to have him back. I, he's another one that I don't know what to make of him until I see whether the ban on sticky stuff. You know, he actually looked pretty good when he when he pitched in the the extra inning loss to the Braves. He looked fine to me. Uh, his stuff looked good, but he's one to watch. T.G. Antone out on a rehab assignment. Now he's the other one to watch. What if T.J. Antone and Lucas Sims come back and we're all like, oh, we got to get them back so we'll help this bullpen. What if they come back and because of the, the ban on sticky stuff, they're just not T.J. Antone and Lucas Sims? How demoralizing is that going to be? It'll make it more fitting that they're in the Reds' bullpen. <laughs> They'll have earned their place, right? Um, question, Nick Senzel playing shortstop on his rehab assignment? Why are the Reds playing a guy at shortstop now instead of in spring training when they knew they had no shortstop depth? Why? Why do they do this? Well, I think you and I talked about this two weeks ago. Why do they? Why do they do this? It makes too much sense. <laughs> yeah, this, the, the whole analytics era—it's all about thinking outside the box. Yeah, they're just—I feel like they're just putting out fires as they come, but they have no plan. Go Reds. <laughs> I'm demoralized. All right, Alex Mundino's healthy. He was optioned to AAA this week. Um, Hunter Green, good news and bad news uh, this week. I don't know about bad news, but Hunter Green is in AAA now. He uh, is always uh, topping out at 105 uh, miles per hour with this fastball. And so he's just uh, he's just amazing. In His start earlier in this week... He was clocked at throwing 37 fastballs in, in his start at 100 miles per hour or higher. The single highest number of 100 mile per hour 
pitches, 100 plus mile per hour pitches that have ever been tracked in any game, major or minor league, since they started tracking these. 37 pitches in one game over 100 miles per hour. Um, why is he not in Cincinnati? So that's a great question. That was one I was going to throw at you. Do you entertain? Do you want him up there now? Do you want him as a September call-up and maybe a fire starter in the playoffs if we get there or when we get there? Or on the other side of the coin, do you be cautious with this price commodity? I mean, he, he kind of seems like what we always wanted Aroldis Chapman to be or what he was looking like he was going to be before he got hit in the face in spring training. He was. But, you know, he's, he's, he's maybe <laughs> the hardest thrower ever, statistically. Um, I don't know. I'm torn on this. I want to hear what the listeners have to say as well. What do you think? Do you want him up now? Do you want to be cautious with him? What's, what's the move here? Here's the way I look at it. Uh, the first question you have to ask is, can he help the big league team right now? I think the answer to that is probably, uh, unquestionably, I say probably, but no, I think it's unquestionable. Yes, he can help the big league team now. Now, we can talk about what role, but he he is good enough to be on the big league team now. And so when we talk about cautious, when we talk about what should they do, my opinion is the Reds are in a playoff f- fight right now. They need the best 26 guys on the roster they can get. He's one of those guys. And, um, and so, yes, I think he should be with Cincinnati. Now, in terms of being cautious, yeah. I'm sure the Reds have an innings limit on him that they're going to try to make sure he doesn't go past. So maybe, you know, at some point soon, you would get him up here and pitch him out of the bullpen. Now, I was completely anti-Chapman bullpen because I knew he was going to get stuck there. I was afraid he was going to get stuck there, and he did. I don't think that's going to happen with, with Green. Um, I just The Reds are... The, the pitching, uh, you know, from Derek Johnson and Kyle Bodie all the way down, I, they're, they're more understanding of what the... how he can best help the team. So I don't think that's going to be the case necessarily that he gets stuck in the bullpen just because you bring him up in the pennant race and then pitch in the bullpen. Most teams that doesn't happen to it just we were, it happened to us. And so we're a little gun shy. Um, but I think that's a way you can minimize the number of innings he throws to make sure that he doesn't, you know, that you're protecting his arm. But I, I, I don't see how you, other than the, the injury thing that I'm, I want to talk about in just one moment. Um, if he's healthy, I don't see how he, how you don't have him up here before September. You got to get him up before September so he can be eligible for the playoff roster. So I think he has to be in Cincinnati before the end of this month. And, you know, we're already uh, 12 days into this month, 13 when you all listen to this. Now, well, let me, let me just, let's say presuming health. That's what I think. I want to hear what you think. Presuming health. You sound like you're, you kind of go both ways. Maybe you could be talked in either way. I could. Um, you, you brought up pretty great points. I guess in my heart, I want to believe that the people making these decisions know what they're doing, that they have the players <laughs> and dangerous. the club's best interest at heart. But when you look back and you see guys like Jose Barrero crushing it and you know who would feel an obvious need, yeah, you start to lose faith in some of these decision makers. Um, give him a cup of tea. Bring him up for just a taste, and let's see what happens. If if it goes poorly, no big deal. I don't I don't believe in you know, a guy that's been this awesome at baseball his entire life isn't gonna 
be affected long term by a bruised ego. The, the the list of players that have come up for a short stint and right. gotten beat around and then went back down and then came back to thrive later is long and distinguished. So, yeah, I think you convinced me. Bring him up. The time is right. The Reds need it. They need the help, whether it's a spot start or just uh, you know late inning bullpen excitement. Remember how it was when Chapman yeah. first came up? Like, yeah, it's how, crazy. How much fun was that? The fans loved it and. This seems like a pretty similar situation. Yeah, and 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 you brought up something that uh, it kind of tips the scales for me, which is that the Reds need him. I think that's what you, I think those are the words you use. The Reds need him, uh, and and he makes the Reds better. And we don't know if the Reds are going to be back in a playoff race anytime soon. We hope they will be, but they are now, and they have shown no interest in pulling out all the stops to make the team better as, as good as possible to for this playoff run. But still, that's something in house you can do. Uh, now, I will say that we do need to take into consideration uh, the same thing. I think Nicoladolo should be up as well, but Nicoladolo had the blister issue that kind of set his um, him back a little bit this year, and I don't know. Those guys need to be up by the end of August, in my mind, so they'll be eligible for the postseason roster. But uh, Hunter Green got scratched his last start about an hour before the start. He uh, The red statement was he was scratched from his start with irritation in his right AC joint, and he's expected to make his next scheduled start. I don't know what that is. Doug Gray at Relegnation.com said uh, that his source said it was a minimal issue, nothing concerning. But, of course, that's what they're going to say, I guess. But So if there's an injury issue, that would change things. But uh, 16 starts over AA and AAA. Hunter Green, 2.84 ERA, 120 strikeouts, and 31 walks. 120 strikeouts in 85 innings. That guy helps the Reds tomorrow if he's healthy, right? Absolutely. I think it's past five starts, 1.98 ERA. 37 Ks versus seven walks. <laughs> At some point, it's managerial or front office mal- malpractice not to have him on the roster because he makes the team better. I mean, what's the what's the argument not to have him up here? You're going to delay his development? Get out of here. I, I don't see that. I think that's I think that's that's bogus. I'm with you. I'm I'm entirely convinced. All right. Well, let's do it. I'm gonna uh, let's let's pause here. I'm gonna call Nick Crawl. Tell him to get. Well, uh, Get Hunter Green up here. Strongly worded letter. <laughs> I'll send him a strongly worded email. Um, okay, what other news of the week? Uh, I guess we can talk about it. We won't have to talk too much about it, but uh, Matt McClain. Have you heard of Matt McClain? Did you know he's I a... Had, had not until recently. <laughs> well, right, until the Reds selected him in the first round out of the University of California at Los Angeles. Uh, Matt McClain, he uh, made his debut this week at... Let's see, he was, uh, where was he? He was at high A. Um, and first bat of his career, he tripled. And uh, no, he was that's when he was in Arizona. He's now out at, at, went out to a full season affiliate. Um, and uh, I have it here somewhere. Where is it? There we go. Um, hit his first home run as well in his third plate appearance for the Dayton Dragons. So Matt McClain, how about that? You know, what the heck? Bring him up too. <laughs> That's actually what I was what I was getting ready to say. I wrote LOL beside this that point I was trying to make. But, but hey, bring them all up, right? It's not like we've had gotten a lot of production out of that position this season, so let's have some fun with it. Exactly. Um, this is also why I should not be in charge of a big league team. Yeah, there are many many reasons why I should not be in charge, and I don't have to worry about it because Bob Castellini hates me, so I have that on good authority. Bob Castellini doesn't like me. 
Maybe I should say nicer things about him. Well, it's not get, it's not get crazy here. Yeah. You want to answer some uh, some viewer mail questions? I've been waiting for you to ask me that all night. And the answer, I hope, is yes. <laughs> answer is yes. Okay. okay. All right, I want to make sure. These are co- uh, questions from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio. You can go, you too can support the podcast and also answer questions. These questions are uh, were sent to me in the mail. Actual questions from actual viewers. If they weren't, could I do this? That's the that's the letter somebody <laughs> sent me. It's in, it's totally not an index card that just happened to be laying on my desk. First question comes from Kyle Kapler. Kyle asks this, and, and Nate, I'm interested to hear uh, if you know this story or not. Kyle asks, was Nate the brother that was afraid of the Mike Lacoste card when you guys were kids? Do you know this story? I, I've heard the story told a couple times, but it had been a while. Um, I definitely went and Googled the Mike Lacoste card, and I got to say, it's kind of rude the way you guys talk about Mike Lacoste. <laughs> it's not nice. It's really not nice. And he, you know, I'm sure his wife thinks he's a, a perfectly uh, handsome, handsome guy. Uh, it was actually not a brother. It was a cousin. It was not Nate. We did other things to terrorize Nate. I'm sure he'll tell you. Um, the youngest of, uh, of four brothers, he's going to he's gonna get that. But um, no, it was actually a cousin who was a, terrified of the Michael Lacoste card. And uh, we used to pull it out uh, whenever he would come over and visit. And he would scream and cry. And we just thought it was just hilarious because that's what, you know, that's what kids do, I guess, right? So, um, we also had another cousin who was afraid of the, uh, the incredible Hulk. There's like a plush, like a incredible Hulk doll. He was terrified of it. <laughs> do you know which cousin, you don't have to say the name, but do you know which cousin that was? That you, I did. Okay. All right. And, and the, the incredible Hulk didn't even look like Mark Ruffalo. I would have hated him. If it did, it would make sense. Yeah, exactly. Right. Joe Farsing asks, how much cooler are Mr. Gaditza? That's uh, Joey Gaditza and Joey Farsing. Uh, how much cooler are we for having the same first name as Joseph Daniel Vado? I think we're both now in the neighborhood as the other side of the pillow. How cool is it to just have the same name as Joseph Daniel Vado? Well, you think he says pronounced Gaditza? Yes. So he's got he's got it right. Joe Farsing, for talking about cool, I think of Matthew McConaughey. And if you're going by Joe... And not Joey. I mean, you'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> be a lot cooler if you did. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I, I, I'm afraid you can't get any reflected glory off of a Joey just for having the same name. Because um, you know, who's the who's the coolest guy on earth? Who is the coolest guy on earth? Matthew McConaughey, maybe. I don't know. He's up there. Maybe, yeah. maybe if we're sticking with Joey, Joey Lawrence, um, <laughs> Blossom fan. Whoa, <laughs> that's, that's that's a deep cut from the 1990s, man. Blossom, Joey Lawrence. Wow, I didn't think you were alive when that was the case. When he was a, a huge star, um, you know, went to see uh, Chicago on Broadway, that uh, the musical Chicago, and uh, first the performance that night uh, in in Chicago was was Joey Lawrence. He was in Ooh. in the musical. Don't know why we're talking about that. Matt Lacron. I'm interested to hear your answer to this one. What's the oddest food you've ever eaten? Then he asked another question about Luis Castillo that way I want to get to. But um, what's the oddest food you've ever eaten? Nate, do you have an answer for that? I've got one if, uh, if you need to think. Well, I 
did live in Southeast Asia for a few years between, uh, in, in China. I made some, some trips during that time. I had deep-fried crickets and grasshoppers. That's got to be up there. I had This was actually on a visit before I moved there, over there to visit our other brother, Jordan, one of our other brothers, who uh, ordered quite the bulbous spread. And after I had consumed them, I found out that I had eaten parts of an ox that uh, I don't feel like mentioning any further. <laughs> ah, yeah. So that's part of the uh, the brother torture that we were referencing earlier. There you go. Right. Yeah. I was trying to eat that. Um, well, to me is when I was over there visiting. Uh, this was after you'd moved back. I was visiting Jordan. Uh, we were in uh, Shenzhen. China and and we had pigeon. That's probably the oddest food ever. It was pigeon, and uh, you know it was uh, it tastes like chicken. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, not uh, other oddest foods. I don't know any I've eaten other odd foods. Um, uh, Matt's other question is: I knew you'd have a good answer for that. So certain ox parts. <laughs> Matt's other question is: the real Luis Castillo? What we're seeing this year? What we saw in 2019? Or somewhere in between, and my answer to this question, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say, is I guess if you're just looking at overall numbers, somewhere in between. But I think the real Luis Castillo is the guy, um, who I think the guy that we're seeing now is the real Luis Castillo in the sense that he had he struggled early on. Something was going on. I don't know what it is. But he's shown us since then. It's not sticky stuff. It's not he figured it out. He's a 28 year old uh, pitcher now, who, um, you know, he's good. He's just good, and he's his overall numbers don't look great this year. But you got That's a, a small number in the in the context of his entire career. That's a small number of starts where he struggled. If you look at the numbers over his last three years, for example, uh, you know he's just been among the the better starters. In the National League, an ERA plus of 128, even including those bad starts. So um, I guess somewhere in between is the correct answer to that. But I have no concerns whatsoever about Luis Castillo. And I started to have some concerns because I was an idiot and didn't realize that I was being an idiot and just looking at small sample sizes earlier in this season. But uh, I have every bit of faith in Luis Castillo. Any thoughts about uh, Castillo, Nate? No, you hit the nail on the head. I mean... The correct answer is somewhere in between, but I think it's closer to 2019. Um, get rid of the extremes of this season, and then add in the fact that he's 28 and is only going to, you know, become a better pitcher as opposed to just a young guy relying on his stuff. And yeah, I think I think that we've, uh, you know, the best is yet to come. Yeah, yeah. You know what I want to say? You, you mentioned Castellanos. In the playoffs, what I really want to see, and I love Tyler Malley, I love Wade Miley, uh, you know, I, I like Sonny Gray a lot. But what I want to see in the playoffs, I want to see a full stadium and Castillo on his game. Because when he's on his game, I, mean, I remember when he made the All Star team and he came out the pitch. And um, who were the guys? Uh, I think Alex Bregman from the Astros was one, and there was somebody else who were just in the dugout marveling over Castillo's stuff in that game. It's such a great uh, video clip. I need to find that. Maybe I'll try to tweet that back out. But um, I want to see him. I want to see Castillo on his game in the playoffs when it means something because uh, he's a guy that the, the, the most of the baseball world doesn't really know about. And um, I just, I'm just deeply in love with uh, Luis Castillo is what I'm trying to say. 
Joey Gaditza. Hey guys, two words to describe this season's installment of the Cincinnati Reds. The catch is both words have to start with the same letter. I'll start fun and frustrating. So two words to describe the season's installment of the Reds. Both words have to start with the same letter. And I can be honest, Nate, maybe you got something else for me, but I'm not sure you can better describe the 2021 Cincinnati Reds than fun and frustrating because they are both at the same time. What do you think? It was kind of rude of Joe to start things off with the best possible option. Yeah, he, he kind of took it from us. Do you have any others? I couldn't really think of anything. Anything that I sort of thought of were along the exact same lines. I, I, I landed on likable but lacking. Oh, that's a good one. That's a very good one. Likable but lacking. It pretty much says the same thing. I mean, this this team is, they're great. They're, they're, they're so wonderful to watch, but they needed some stuff and the powers that be didn't really do much to help them get it. Yeah, they're incomplete. So, though, because we already set it in stone, they are making the playoffs this year, then, you know, it didn't actually matter in the end, but. Yeah, but we might have escaped that wild card game if they'd have just invested in the team. Right. Whatever, they're in the playoffs. That matter. We just got to get in the tournament to win it. Uh, I guess what I will say is cromulent and craptastic. Ooh. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Um, James Urban, when does the Reds bullpen group therapy session meet? <laughs> um, after every ninth inning. Um, can, I, can I use James' question here to ask what your thoughts are on Amir Garrett? And I probably should have uh, prepped you for that question uh, before we started, but it just it occurred to me. Amir Garrett's the most, he makes me sad because I like him. Sometimes it looks like he's got dazzling stuff, but he continues to to frustrate. Yeah, that that one's tough. Um, he seems like his stuff is is electric, and you hate to you know be too cliche and say it's all between the ears, because you watch this guy, you know, literally try to fight an entire baseball team, then okay, he's he's. He's amongst my favorites right there. Like, yeah, you want to love him, right? But he's been bad. It's I, I, I've certainly lost all faith when he comes to the game. I thought that today was a perfect time to bring him in. Like, if he's got something he needs to work out mentally or mechanically, bring him in in these kind of games when you can minimize the damage. And it's like on a lesser scale of what we're talking about with Suarez. Like, I hate it because I really like him, he's a competitor. He wants to be the guy with the ball, but it's been rough to watch. Yeah, even today, you know, they brought him in with a what a twelve-two lead or whatever. But you know, he gave up a hit and a run, and uh, but struck out, struck out two of the three uh, outs. I mean, I don't know. You know, I wrote a piece early in the year where I thought I saw some signs that he was coming back, and he and he's had some decent moments. But right now, we're you know, he's been in forty-seven games, zero six point four two, and he's and he's not really had an extended stretch of being the Demir Garrett. That we've come to know. And now, the thing that people, we kind of mention this occasionally on the podcast, I, people kind of overrated Garrett in, for some of those reasons you just said, you know, who doesn't love this guy that wants to fight the whole Pirates team? Um, and I love the fact that he shows emotion out there. I like that. I'm glad he's one of our guys. But the fact of the matter is, he's 29. He's always kind of been an up and down reliever. Uh, it's just on the balance, he's been good. Uh, this year he's not been good, which is what happens to relievers. But I don't know. I just uh, he he worries me when he comes uh, when he's brought in the game, and and I can't believe we're at the point where, well, where the next question that we have for viewer mail uh, it can be asked. Hooper Powell, it's the bottom of the ninth in the championship of the beer league softball team between Team Linden, 
I don't know why we would let Jason Linden manage a team. What? <laughs> uh, and Team Dotson, you have the choice of closing the game with Brad Brock, Amir Garrett, or Heath Hembry. Who are you bringing in? Now, before the season, if somebody had asked you, who would you rather have closing games? Amir Garrett, or some guy named Brad Brock, or some guy named Heath Hembry? <laughs> There's no question. But I guess if you ask that question today, my answer is probably this guy named Heath Hembry, who's an actual human being that, that pitches baseballs at the age of 32. But I don't want any of them closing my games. And those are three of the guys the Reds have depended on this year. I kind of went a different direction with this question. I was like, this is a beer league softball. So this is slow pitch. So I'm looking at it, and Hembry has served up, I think it was 10 home runs in around 40 innings. Goodness gracious, you're right, he has. So he, so he is used to throwing softballs. <laughs> right, he's got lots of practice. So maybe we, we go with uh, the person who's done it the most. Uh, maybe, well, maybe the other way around. I don't know. I think uh, maybe I'm going to go. With, I'm going to change my mind and say Brad Brock because he's only given up four home runs. Garrett's given up eight. I want a guy that's not going to give up home runs for their closing games, right? Hooper Powell, this question made me sad. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Hooper Powell from Columbus, Ohio. Though we did make the championship, so that's pretty cool. Hey, look, that's right. We got in the tournament, the Beer League Wild Card game. We won, beat the Dodgers, made it all the way to the uh, to the World Series of the Beer League softball. Um, I, I'm sure that uh, that uh, we have Team Dotson here, Hooper. But you know, uh, you said Team Linden made it. What about Team uh, Team Garber or Team Lack? They're a little upset with you. I just want you to know that that Hooper. Um, Seth Shaner, Seth Shaner asked this question. <laughs> And this is maybe my favorite question uh, ever in Beer Mail. Here it is. What is it with baseball, man? One minute you're dominating the dredges of the league, and the next your bullpen stinks again. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the whole question. So, so Nate, what is it with baseball, man? I think that that question qualifies Seth Shaner to be a host of this podcast. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, it's, it's why we love it. It's, it's why we hate it. It's, you know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of noise and conflict and anger out in the world today. Baseball gives you a two, three, sometimes four-hour break from all that mess. And when it's when you're dominating the dredges of the league, it's never more fun. When your bullpen stinks, hey, yeah, a day at the ball yard is still better than just about anything else. That's the way to look at it, man. That's what. That's why you're here. I appreciate that. No, um, and, and the fact of the matter is, I don't think I was always like this. But as I've gotten a little bit older, and when you get a little older, maybe you'll understand this, you enjoy those moments against the Pirates. And then when they have bad moments against the Braves or whoever, it's like, well, okay, it's just baseball. And you, you try to ignore those while enjoying the fun moments. And and I think, you know, the, the ultimate question, what is it with baseball, man? The answer is, I've always liked the fact that the worst team's going to win a third of their games. The best team's going to lose a third of their games. And so your team has a chance every night and, and crazy things happen. So it's the, it's the best sport. It's just the best sport to me other than uh, uh, European football. But other than that, it's the best sport, right? Other than football? Other than European football. Well, I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. But, yeah, I agree otherwise. Come on, man. Tottenham Hotspur's opening game this weekend. You're not excited for Tottenham Hotspur? 
I mean, we can talk about Liverpool if you'd like, but let's stick to the Reds. Uh, well, that's well. The only reason I chose Liverpool as my Premier League team was because they're the Reds. Yeah, they are the Reds. I don't like them as much as the Cincinnati Reds. Scotter Webker. Scotters, you know, I don't know if he's going a different direction than Seth, but why do the Reds like to bring us pain? It seems like they like it, but I don't think they like it. I think this, I think Bob Castellani is indifferent to bringing us pain, but I don't think they like it. But they do sometimes bring pain, right? It happens. All right, two more questions, uh, and let's. Uh, these are a couple of, of, of pretty good questions, and so I want to. Uh, well, one of them is a, a pretty quick answer. The, the the last question is a pretty good one. I want to want to talk about it. So first, Michael Henry, are the twenty twenty one Reds the best Reds team to ever miss the postseason? Ooh. Are the 2021 Reds the best Reds team to ever miss the postseason? Well, we've already decided they're not missing the postseason, right? Yeah, this is this an invalid question. Yeah, it's ridiculous, Michael. Come on. We already told you they're making it. So, um, my first thought when I got this question, well, my first thought was I didn't see that it said best Reds team. And I was thinking, they're clearly not the best team. Because I thought back to uh, 1993, that's before you were born, Nate, uh, 1993 when the San Francisco Giants won 103 games and missed the playoffs. Because the uh, the rivals in the West Division, somehow the Atlanta Braves, won uh, 104 and only two teams made the playoffs. So, But, but best Reds team. Yeah. 1999 is where I, I first went. Did they make the playoffs in 99? They had that one-game playoff with the Mets to see if you know they were going to make it. I don't consider that the playoffs. Um, you know, They finished second place that year and had a chance to be a wild card. So I don't think that... I don't, I don't think that team made the playoffs. So maybe them. Do you have any thoughts? Did anything jump out at you? No, the yeah, you know, I'm not quite the Reds historian as a lot of our, you know, awesome listeners are. But what about awesome co-hosts who wrote a book about Reds history? Yeah, you know, we don't count them. <laughs> all right. What do they know? Exactly. Well, you know, Chris Garber knows a ton, so all respect, <laughs> all due respect to him. But the other guy, um, the '99 team was the only one that jumped out to me. Um, and I agree that that doesn't count as a as making the playoffs. Yeah, the other one that we'll can't... see. I think this team might have too many holes to be considered the best ever if they were to miss the postseason, which we've already discussed because they won't. There's no chance they're going to miss the playoffs. I mean, that's obvious at this point. Uh, but you're right. If they do, I don't think we can say they're the best Reds team. I think they're the best. You know, like I think we're up to 20 guys now on the roster that that are really good baseball players. Maybe 20. Maybe one of the best Reds offenses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have to go through and uh, and dig into it. I think probably the answer is if I had to really put on my Reds historian cap and answer the question, my answer is probably 1981. 1981 was uh, just barely post the Big Red Machine. You know, in 80 they'd finished in uh, third place, but they won 89 games, won 90 in 1979, actually lost in the NL Championship Series. And that was kind of the end of the, the Big Red Machine. But in 1981, it was a strike season. So there were, there were two halves of the season. It was a strike in the middle of the season. And the Reds ended up having the best record in baseball, famously. And didn't make the playoffs because they went through some crazy uh, setup where the 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 first place in the first half 
and the first place in the second half, those are the teams that made the playoffs um, in, in each division. And so the Reds finished second, both halves, but still ended up with the best record in all of baseball, 66 and 42 at the time. So the team with the best record in baseball did not make the uh, the playoffs at all. So that's probably my answer. The the Tom Seaver, Johnny Mitch, at the end of his career, Dave Concepcion, those guys. Um, let's see who was on that team. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that up. Who all was on that team? Um, Tom Seaver. Oh yeah, George Foster was. Uh, was great on that team. Uh, oh, Ronnie Oster. Reds Hall of Famer Ronnie Oster. 3.2 wins Ooh. above replacement. Not bad. Uh, Junior Griffey. Uh, the Immortal. Mario Soto. Bruce Barini, Ray Knight. Um, do you have any Mario Soto thoughts for us here before we move on to the... <laughs> I have no Mario Soto thoughts. <laughs> the 81 season was actually before I was born. So. Yeah, yeah. If if uh, if our one of our other brothers were on here, the one that's closest to me in age, uh, he would have some Mario Soto thoughts because we used to have some epic battles in uh, in, in front air wiffle ball, where I was always Mario Soto and I would always get mad at him and throw the wiffle ball at his head, and so he would be <laughs> Claudel Washington for the Braves and throw a bat at me, and it would be on. Last question comes from uh, Nathan Sturworf, which is just inner circle Hall of Fame name, um, and I'm not talking about Nathan, by the way. I love both parts of <laughs> Which of the following players, this is a good question. Which of the following players do you think will be on the Reds next year? And the four he listed. Wade Miley, Nick Castellanos, Mike Moustakas, and Eugenio Suarez. So uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you one by one. Do you think these players will be on the Reds next year? Wade Miley. Snap decision, Yes. Yeah, I think so too. I think they'll pick up his option. Could trade him, but I think he will be on the Reds um, for at least part of the year. Nick Castellanos. It breaks my heart. I know. I don't think so. This conversation should have happened between his agent and the front office a long time ago. How upset are we? I'm already upset at Bob Castellani. Uh, our, our viewers may have noticed, but how upset are we if he lets Castellanos escape? You have to think that before this season they would have had a chance to sign him to something long term, but the way he's performed this year, I think that he can he can go chase that bag. Oh my gosh, Mike Mustakas. Um, no, really. I would have said yes for Mustakas that he would be on the Reds. I don't have a ton of justification for my answer. I just went with what my gut said. Dude, who asked you to have any justification for anything you say on here? It's the world's most dangerous podcast. You got to go out on a uh, on a limb sometimes. Uh, Eugenio Suarez. This yes. was, this one's interesting to me. You say yes. I think the answer is yes too. But it's kind of interesting, right? Can the Reds do something? Can they move him? Is he gonna play himself out of a spot? It's an interesting well, question. The Reds have to ask. I don't know. Um... I don't know how, you're, how they would move him is, is the problem. I guess there's, there's got to be some teams that think a change of scenery is going to get him to bounce back to as awesome as he was for years, but I'd much rather see that happen in Cincinnati. Yeah, it's going to be tough to trade him. You may be able to find somebody that that might think that, especially given his age and you know whatever, and, and that they're trading for him at, at the kind of the low point in his value and get him for cheap, maybe. Um, I think he's a red next year. I think I, I do think that, but I think it's an interesting question as to whether or not the Reds try to move on from him, or they, it's, it's going to be something that has to be considered. 
because um, he's making a little bit of money, not a ton. He doesn't have a really expensive contract, um, but it's more than somebody that's hitting, you know, 102 or whatever he's hitting. Should get. So uh, who knows if Cast- Castellini says you got to get rid of him. I mean, they gave away uh, Rosell Iglesias, July's American League pit- relief pitcher of the month, Rosell Iglesias. <laughs> they gave him away not just for free. They paid to get rid of him. Um, so I could see that happening, but I think he's probably back next year. But, man, that's the biggest question for this team. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get Suarez. I don't know what's going on. and I, It makes me sad. <laughs> uh, Nathan Sturworth uh, also said this. How great was it to see Sal Romano lose the game for the Brewers last week? And my answer to that is uh, it was great to see the Brewers lose. Not great to see Sal Romano lose. I mean, yeah, Romano tried hard for this team. I don't have any uh, enmity against Romano. Although I was in the I was in the stands on uh, Sal Romano's opening game, and I bet there were a hundred people there wearing Romano jerseys, excited for his debut in the big league. So yeah, I guess I kind of feel I kind of feel good for the guy, you know, from that. But so I wish he hadn't lost the game, but I'm glad the Brewers lost. So anyway, I'm sure you've got some uh, some wise thoughts about Sal Romano. Nah, you took the words right out of my mouth. We're not going to root against Big Sal, but we'll definitely root against the Brewers. Absolutely. Uh, Nate, uh, you know, that's... We had thought we might talk about Kyle Farmer, but uh, do you really feel like talking about Kyle Farmer at this point? I haven't yet. It's been 36 years on this earth. <laughs> yeah, we're going to pass on the Kyle Farmer discussion. Uh, go look at his August numbers. They're not great. Uh, but go, go, go Kyle Farmer. I hope you continue. I hope you do well. I, I, whatever. I don't know. Kyle Farmer. Farmersonly.com. Uh, Nate, any, uh, any final thoughts? Uh, we've gone a little longer than I'd hoped, uh, but that's what happens on this podcast sometimes. And that's fine. Um, any final thoughts? We had been playing too well for too long. Had a little short skid, big win tonight. The boys are back. It's time to go on another long run. Go Reds. Ah, uh, the boys are back. Yes. Um, that's the name. That's the title of this episode. Nate, good talking to you again. This is uh, Red Leg Nation Radio. You can find us at patreon.com slash redlegradio. You can support the podcast if you want. And also, we're everywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, we're, we're free on all your podcast services, uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Spotify, wherever else. I don't know, Google Play Stitcher, I don't know. There's so many. There's so many places. We're gonna be there. Go find us and uh, give us a good rating review if you want to. Uh, Nate, man, good talking to you, buddy. It's so much fun. Thanks for having me. All right, this is uh, for Nathan, Nate Dotson, and the legend Joe Morgan. This is Chad Dotson saying, "So long, everyone." Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.